listening to a podcast by Real Church and Pastor Noah Fritchie in Murfreesboro, Illinois. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this message inspires you and builds your faith. Enjoy, and God bless. Today is part three of this teaching series, and today we're going to grab some jars, everybody. We're going to look at a story all about jars, and really my prayer, as in every week, I, I, I usually have a prayer for the message every week, but I prayed, I prayed this week that this message would speak to everyone, but I specifically prayed for those of you who maybe you're in this room, maybe you're watching online today, and you just say, I just feel totally overwhelmed. I feel like I have way too many responsibilities or that everywhere I go, there's just challenges everywhere or I'm, I'm just doing life on empty or maybe you're just saying that I just don't have enough time or I just don't have enough resources or I just don't have enough faith. I don't have enough energy to get me through the day. This week, I just prayed that this message would specifically speak to you and help you build your faith. I, I prayed that this message would just minister to you in your time of need. Because I know all of us, we're going through something. All, all of us, we have struggles from day to day. So many of us are going through all different types of pain. In fact, maybe you're in this room today and, and your pain is just financial pain. You've digging yourself in such a, uh, such a deep financial hole, it just hurts. And you, and you can't sleep at night thinking about how much money you owe. And you feel like you're never going to get out of debt. And, the, and you just feel the pain day after day. Maybe, uh, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're a single mom in this room. And you're just, you're just like, man, I, I'm just trying to make ends meet. And I, I just don't have enough time in the day. And I, I, you're just, maybe you're just overwhelmed and there's just way more in your life than what you could ever possibly do. Maybe you're in this room and maybe you're just a high schooler. Maybe you're, you're a high schooler and your mom and dad have just split up or have divorced. And maybe you're trying to pick sides. You're trying to, uh, it, it's, it's never good having to pick a side. And there's this emotional stress and the situation is just way too much for you to handle in high school. And it just hurts. I'm just, I give you those examples this morning because if you find yourself with any type of deep pain like this, if you find yourself to today coming to church and you just feel like your life is on empty and there's, there's, there's no more. I can't go any farther. It's my prayer today that God would use this story that we're about to read to minister to you. And I think God can use it to minister to you in a deep and life-changing way. All right, so let's dive into our text this morning. I want to give you two verses at the beginning of this message for context so that you guys know what's going on. Then we're going to talk about, we're going to look at this text again, and I hope to give you some practical things to go home with. Here's, here's the text that we're looking at this morning. It comes from 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 through 2. It says this, it says, <coughs> excuse me, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. She says this, she says, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that he revered the Lord. But now, now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. This lady, we're looking at this lady who is now a widow. She's in trouble and she has some great financial debt to somebody. We don't really know who, but this whole idea is, is that she now has this financial debt that she's inherited from her husband. And now it's at risk of her kids being taken as slaves. We see this in the story. It says, and then the prophet Elisha, who we've been talking about, Elisha replied to her and said, well, how can I help you? Tell me, 
what do you have in your house? And she says, well, your servant, I, I don't have anything. There's nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Except a small jar of olive oil. Let's talk about these two verses really quick. Of course, the story, what you'll notice is, is that this lady, this widow, is, is in, this, in this ton of debt. She, she owes so much debt that they're going to take her, her sons as slaves. And, uh, and she, unless she gets out of this, that's, that's, her, that's what's going to happen in her life. I think one thing to note, several things to note in this story. The first thing to note in this story that you'll notice is that I think it's interesting that this widow doesn't have a name. We don't ever find her name in scripture. She doesn't have a name. In fact, Jewish tradition and kind of when you study this a little bit, uh, there's a lot of writings out there that believes that this widow is actually the wife of the prophet Obadiah. If you've read any of the Old Testament before, you've probably heard of Obadiah. Obadiah was a great prophet. And if that's the case, if she is the wife of Obadiah, it kind of makes sense that she would be in financial need. Obadiah was known for protecting and actually providing for other prophets. It was known that he was, he was providing for, people believe that he was providing for up to as many 50 different prophets in their families at one time. And so this man had, had some great financial need. He, he probably, more than likely, he used all of his financial resources on them. And honestly, it's just not that uncommon for a prophet to be in financial trouble. Because prophets in the Old Testament would spend the vast majority of their life probably on the run. Uh, they were persecuted. They were just, honestly, prophets in, back in the day were just trying to survive. And it was very, just very difficult to make ends meet. And so I tell you that because now I want you to picture this widow. Picture this widow who just lost her husband. <coughs> Excuse me. There is, this widow just lost her husband. Honestly, because she's a woman back in, that, in the culture, she really has no, no real chance of getting some meaningful employment. That's just what the culture was. The culture didn't value women. And so because of that, she really couldn't find any meaningful employment. And now... The creditor is coming after her two sons to take them as slaves to pay for the debt that she owes. And so we see this story, honestly, humanly speaking, this woman pretty much has no hope. She's down on her luck. It's over. I mean, she, there's nothing, there's not that much that she can do. She just lost her husband. Uh, there's, there's, there's no chance for employment. She's just, she has no hope. I mean, honestly, at this point, it doesn't get too much worse than this. I mean, this is about as bad as it can get. And when I read this story this week, I was just reminded of the problems that I face compared to this woman. <laughs> Like, think about it for just a minute. The problems that, I, and I feel like maybe you're a little bit like me, um, but oftentimes I get so upset over some, of the, over some of my life's smallest problems. I get so bent out of shape over the smallest stuff in my life. It's amazing how I can just get so riled up about things that are just really not a big deal, everybody. Like there's things in my life that are just not a big deal and I get so upset 
yet it happens all the time. Like, I don't know if you've ever done this before. If you've ever got, gotten lost or like the GPS took you in the wrong direction or like every time I go to St. Louis, it always wants to drive me right through East St. Louis. You know, it's like, why are you taking me? Like, why can't I just take the, I get so fired up and mad and I'm mad at the phone. I'm punching numbers and the, you know, like, why can't you just take me in the right direction? I get so riled up over that stuff. I, that even just, I'm telling you, everybody, I'm not perfect. So if you think your pastor's perfect, you just are the wrong church, everybody. They're find somebody else uh, because I'm far from perfect. I got so aggravated this week because I, I, I ordered something for dinner and it was totally the wrong order. So I was so aggravated. I wasn't even going to eat it. I was just, I, you know, I, I'll just go hungry tonight. You know, I just so frustrated. Like, it's just so simple. And then I paid all this, you know, I just, I, I just get so frustrated at the smallest things. And uh, maybe for you, it's, it's, it's something different. Maybe for you, it's, uh, I don't know, maybe you, you just, uh, you, you, you posted a selfie on Instagram or something. And it only got so many likes and you're just so frustrated at it. And nobody commented the right things. I don't know what it is for you. But we all get so frustrated at the smallest things. And I, I feel like in, in the midst of reading this lady's problem, I really felt like I didn't have any problems this week. And uh, we, we, all, we all do this, and I do it as well. And, and many of you, maybe, maybe you not only have entry-level problems, um, I like to call those entry-level problems, but some of us, maybe you have some bigger problems. Maybe you have a decent-sized problem. Um, maybe for you, uh, your problem is maybe it could be your marriage. Maybe you feel like your marriage is just barely hanging on and you just don't feel like it's going to make it. For some of us, we walked in this room today and someone that we love and that we valued has betrayed you. They've lied to you. They've hurt you. And it just, it, it hurts deep down into your soul. And what you thought you had with that person, it's just not there anymore. Maybe for you, it's your child. Maybe you just feel like your child is going in the wrong direction in life. And you just don't know what, what you've done wrong and, 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 or, or what's happened. And you're just not sure that they're going to end up in the right place. And you're just in agony watching them make decisions that hurt, that, that are hurting them. For some of us, some of you, maybe you're, excuse me, for some of us, maybe you're in a financial trouble and you just don't know where or how to get out of it and you just feel strangled by that very thing. For others of us, maybe it's a health issue that's, uh, that's happening to you or a, a loved one and you just feel like, man, if God doesn't show up in this issue, I don't know what I'm going to do. If, if God can't provide a miracle... I don't know what's going to happen. And you have this, you have a decent sized problem. And listen, I tell you all this today because if you're in significant need, I, I, I believe that this, this message is going to speak to you. I just want to give you a key thought from this message. And I really do believe, I think God is just going to put this in your spirit. I think he's going to lay this on your heart to really help you build our faith. Here's, here's the key thought from the message today. If you're taking notes on the, on the back of your worship guide, you can fill in the blanks here. It's this, is that when you don't have what you really want, God is what you really need. When you don't have what you really want, God is what you really need. I want to unpack this story with this idea in mind. And I really do believe that this story is going to come alive to us in the next few minutes here. This woman, this widow, she is in significant need. And she's expressed that need to the prophet Elisha, to the man of God who Elisha is. And so the question is, what does Elisha do? 
What does Elijah, what is Elisha, as a man of God, what is he supposed to do? What does he do? Well, I want to start by telling you what Elisha doesn't do. Elisha doesn't do what a lot of us do when somebody else has a problem. When somebody says, oh, I got all this problem. A a lot of people, their first response is, ah, that really stinks. Like that. That's not what Elisha does. Elisha doesn't say, oh man, stinks to be you, you know, hope it gets better. Like, that's not what he does. Elisha doesn't just blow her off and say, yeah, I'll be thinking about you. Like, I, I, I actually, I just think it's funny how people say, like, I'll be thinking of, like, how about you pray for me, you know, like, or you know, something like that even, just, but I'll be thinking about, like, I don't want you thinking about me, but, uh, <laughs> You know, I don't know. I just, yeah, interesting things that people say. But yeah, Elijah doesn't just say, oh yeah, I'll be, I'll, I'll be thinking about you. No. What he does is he makes himself available to her. Look at, look at what scripture says. We read this already. But Elisha replied to the woman after she had said all, after she had given him her need. He says, how can I help? How can I help? What can I do? How can I help? Can I just encourage you today? If you're in this room and you say, I, I, you, you want to make a difference in this world, you want to be filled with joy every day, what would happen if, if, if we would rise up at the, as the church and just start by just saying, you know what, God, I'm available today as your divine representative. And anytime there's a need, anytime anyone else has a need, even if I can't directly meet the need, I want to be the conduit that helps them meet the need. I want to be the conduit that helps minister to this person. How can I help. So if someone at the office says, you know what, I've got a problem, or my husband's driving me crazy, my kids are going off the deep end, I've got these issues. What, what if we would just start saying as Christians, how can I help? How can I be there for you? How can I help? And what if you would just make yourself available just like Elisha did? And honestly, just like Jesus did as well. I mean, that's all throughout Scripture. Most of Jesus' ministry was questions like, what can I do? How can I help? I mean, Jesus literally was just there to help. And so what would happen if there was a group of Christian people that rose up and made themselves available just like Jesus and Elisha and just said, man, what can I do? How can I help you through this situation? Not only do we see this idea, but then Elisha says something very profound. In fact, I think Elisha, it's a really classy way of saying this here. Because Elisha really respects her dignity and says this. He says, tell me, now what do you have in your house? In other words, Elisha doesn't say, well, here I am with all the answers. Let me tell you how to do everything, A, B, C, and D. Let me ask you this. Do you ever go to somebody and tell them your problems? And then they say, well, this is what you need to do. You need to do this, that, the other. Like, I can just draw it out. For, I can see it. Like, they tell, and it's like, I don't, that's not what I want from you. Like, like that's, it's not just that easy. And, and honestly, it's not. And I appreciate that Elisha doesn't just respond to this poor widow and say, well, here's what you need to do. No, instead he says, hey, what, what, what do you have? Like, what are we working with here? What, what can we do? What are we, what do you have in your house. I think Elisha really respects her dignity by just saying, hey, let's start with what you do have and let's let God meet the needs with what you do have. In fact, let, let's, let's take a look at how this story goes on. It's, and she responds by saying, <coughs> excuse me, she says, your servant, 
has nothing there at all. She's like, I've, but Elisha, I, I, I don't have anything. I've got nothing. Isn't it interesting that when you're hurting, when you're depressed, when you're down on your luck, when you're lacking, all you can see is what you don't have. That's all you can see. All you can see is what you don't have and you miss all the other blessings that you do have around you. You see, all this woman can do is think about what she doesn't have. And you see, when we get down, when we get depressed, when, we, when we're hurting about something, we're just consumed with everything we don't have. We're consumed with the money that we couldn't make, with the house that we don't have, with the cars that we don't have, with, with whatever. It, we are just, when we're hurting and depressed, we're just consumed with that which we don't have. People come up and say, well, I, I, I don't have a husband, so my life isn't meaningful. Or I don't have enough money, and so I, I, I don't think I could ever be happy. Or I don't have a nice house. I think this is actually the funniest one, is the fact that a lot of people say, well, I don't have a nice enough house. I, I can't host a small group. As if the Spirit of God only moves on your new granite countertop. You know, like... The, that's not the case, everybody. Like, <laughs> that, that's just simply not the case. Like, God, God can use what you have. I, a lot of us, maybe you are, are guilty of this. I bet all of us are guilty of this one this morning. Maybe you woke up and, and you, you got up and you were trying to pick out an outfit of clothes for today for church because you want to look nice for church. And yeah, that's awesome, whatever. And you walked in your walk-in closet and there's clothes everywhere. And you walk out. And you're just like me, and you walk out and you say, well, I don't got anything to wear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could clothe an entire African village with that closet, <laughs> but you don't got anything to wear. You know, like, it's just, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know why? Because I, oh, we just focus on what we don't have. We focus on the things that we don't have. And this is exactly where this poor, uh, this poor widow woman was. She lost everything. And all she could see was her lack. All she could see was her lack. So what do you do when you don't have much? What do you do when you don't have much? Well, here's the first point. If you're taking notes, it's this. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Man, what if, what if we'd stop just waiting until we have all the desires of our heart. What if we stopped waiting till we had exactly what we wanted and start working with what we had? I'm telling you, the church would be a different place. It'd be a totally different place. What, what if you just decided, you know what? I know I don't have everything that I want, but I have all that I need. I have all that God has provided and I can do it with God's help. What do you have in your house? That's what... Elisha said, what, what do you have in your house? And she, she responds, this widow woman says, your servant has nothing there at all. Remember, I left you at the dot, dot, dot. And she said, I've got nothing, but I do have just all I've got, Elisha. This is it. I've just got a small jar of olive oil. I've got nothing except this one little thing. What if we would stop wait, waiting for what you wanted, and what if you started working with what you had? And that's what we see in this story. Where you say, well, well what, what, what good was this small jar of olive oil? What good was this, was, was, was this, the, like this olive oil to us, especially in this day, it doesn't seem like it, it's good for anything. 
except olive oil in this day and age was very, was, was very, very valuable. It was an extremely valuable commodity because it was very rare and had tons of important uses. Olive oil back in the day was used for all kinds of things, not just cooking. We know it as cooking a whole lot, but they would burn olive oil in lamps. Olive oil was used for in medicine, for moisturizer. Like they didn't have no bath and body works back in the day. Like they used olive oil to moisturize. Uh, And they would do that. Not only that, but it would do things like make leather pliable. Uh, It would help keep iron from rusting. They literally used olive oil for anointing oil. There was an offering to God. Olive oil was a very important commodity back in the day. It was very valuable. And this lady didn't have a lot of olive oil. She only had a little. And all throughout scripture, we see, and I think this is the greatest, this is probably the greatest thing that you're going to walk away with. In fact, let me just say like this. I'm just so thankful that I've got a God who knows how to do a lot with a little. Like, I'm thankful that I serve, we serve a God who is capable, who is absolutely capable of doing a whole lot with our little bit. And all throughout scripture, that's what we see. We see this concept. In fact, in the, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, while Jesus was on this earth, we see that Jesus, uh, there was at one point where Jesus was teaching to thousands and thousands of people. He was teaching to, you know, to 5,000 plus people on a hillside. And at the end of the lesson, his disciples are all worried. They, they come up to him and they, they say, well, well, Jesus, you've been teaching for a long time. Probably like many of you are thinking right now, like, man, it's almost lunchtime. I know it's 11.53 and you're, you're waiting. I know when 12.15 hits, you guys are basically out the door. You're ready for lunch. I know you guys. I'm watching. Uh, but <laughs> you're like, that's what the disciples did. Like, hey, Jesus, you've been preaching for a long time. These people are hungry. They need some lunch. And they're like, well, how in the world are you going to feed this crowd? Because we're so far away from the nearest market. Like, what's going to happen here? And this little boy came up and he says, essentially what he says is, you know what? I I don't have a lot, but I do have a little. And Jesus took what little this little boy had, what, what little stuff that this little boy had. He had five loaves and two small fish, the Bible records. And can I tell you, in the hands of Jesus... A little became a lot. And they fed thousands and thousands of people. And not only that, but the Bible says, the Bible records that they had 12 basketfuls left over. I mean, it's because we serve a God, everybody, who can do a lot with a little. We serve a God who who can make that little bit of what we have, and he can do a whole lot with it. Not only that, we see another example in the Old Testament where there's this whole army that is afraid of the Philistines because of one guy named Goliath. You all remember the story of David and Goliath? This Goliath is this giant who intimidates an entire army. Goliath stood them down. And guess who God used to defeat Goliath? The army was too scared to even even go up to Goliath. God used a little shepherd boy with a little bit of faith, with a little stone. God used him to take that giant down. You know why? Because we serve a God who can do a lot with a little. The Bible says that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move. Think about it. Our God can do a lot with a little. And Elijah, Elisha just says, hey, 
What do you have? What can we use? What do you have in your house? You know, uh, one time God, God asked Moses, uh, God asked Moses at one time, he said, what, what do you have in your hand? God literally used the thing that he had in his hand. I want you to notice that oftentimes when we read scripture, God doesn't really ask, well, what do you need? God rarely asks, hey, what, what do you want? What do I need to give you? No, instead, oh, so often in scripture, we see this idea of God asking, what do you have? What do you have? What's in your hand that I can use today? What do you have? What are the resources around you that I can use? What would happen, church, if we just stopped waiting for what we wanted and started working with what we had? Can I tell you, God has given you everything you need to do everything he wants you to do. You don't need anything else. He's already given it to you. Can I tell you, I, I, could, I could tell you a story after story about this, this whole principle with the church. In fact, I think I feel like you get tired of hearing church stories all the time, but that's all right because I'm your pastor and that's my job here. So I'm just going to tell you the stories anyway. Uh, but I, 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 again and again, we, see, we have seen this idea that God has already given us everything he needed for us to do what we were called to do as a church. I mean, in the early, early time of the church, I mean, when the church was just about a dozen people, right before we launched this church, I remember I had, I knew what I wanted. I knew what I wanted from God. I wanted a full-blown praise and worship team. Just thought before we, before we launched the church, God's going to give us that. God, God, God's going to give me what I wanted. And that was definitely not the case. We got to about three or four weeks out of our launch date. Of, for whatever reason, we just chose October 13th. We're like, we're going to launch then. And we got a couple weeks out. I remember sitting in uh, our little lead team vision meeting or whatever um, that we had. And I remember looking at everybody saying, I don't think that this date's going to work. <laughs> like, like, honestly, we, we've got barely one musically talented guy. Like, <laughs> I mean, we had... One, one guy that was going to play the guitar and also sing and, and like the one man band, everybody. And I was like, I don't know if that's exactly, I don't know if that's going to work. And in a launch team meeting, I, I just remember I was telling my team like, man, I, we just, we don't have what, what, what I wanted. And I, I just don't think this thing is going to work. And I remember, I think it, it was either Heather or Kent who, uh, who looked back at me and basically said, you know what? I know we don't have exactly what we wanted, but let's just work with what we've got. And that's exact from that day, that's what we started doing. And I mean, and we just, we, me, and, <laughs> me and Emily and the whole team just got together thinking, who can we find to help us? And we, we started working with the resources that we had. And we got Maggie here on the front row today that I, we, Emily was friends with Maggie in high school. I don't think you guys had spoke since high school. It's just like, but hey, you think you could help us? And we, God started putting the pieces that were already in our hands. He put it together and we just worked with what, we had and, and we were able, I mean, it was just, we were able to launch the church and yeah, man, we didn't have a full band until like last year, everybody, but God, God used what we had. God didn't give me what I wanted, but he used what we had. And listen, I, I think, I think even this is just a great leadership principle in life. This idea that, uh, be, because of the limitations that are around us, Limitations often give us insight to your most innovative ideas. 
Think about this for just a minute. This idea that, for, especially for creative people, some of the best, some of the most creative ideas kind of come out of this time when you're in a box, when you, when you have to work within the means of something, of the things around you. Your most creative ideas will happen when, you, when you're stuck in a box. You will find a way to make it work. And I think, I think God does that on purpose. In fact, if we had what we needed as a church, God wouldn't have been able to show us exactly what, what we needed. Like he, he showed us, I, and I just want to encourage you to stop waiting for what you want. Start working with what you have. Maybe you're here in this room today and you say, well, I just, I, I don't like to serve anywhere or, you know, I just, I feel uncomfortable because I'm just, I don't know how to be involved in a church because I'm just not an upfront person. Well, you know what? Work with what you're good at. Do some behind the scenes stuff. In fact, I, I love Jesus even kind of hints at this. Jesus essentially said the behind the scenes people are the most important. Jesus said at one point in his ministry that the servant is the greatest of all will be the greatest of all. And so maybe for you, you might not be a good upfront person, but you can, you can, you can work behind the scenes. You can serve behind the scenes. Maybe for you, you're just, you're disappointed because you're like, man, I just don't make enough money for my family. Maybe you, maybe you struggle with that. You're like, man, I just, I don't make six figures. And so I, I don't, I don't provide a good living for my family. But can I tell you, but God, God says, well, you might not make six figures, but you are home six nights a week with your kids. Like, what if, what if you would just start to value the things that you do have? Because can I, like, your children are important, everybody. Like, one of the most important things that you do is not what you do, it's who you raise. And it's, it, 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 it's so important to raise a man or a woman of God. That's a huge success. And so you might not make all the money. You might not make all, the, all more than your friends, but you are home with your kids. And would you just begin to value the stuff that you do have in your hands and stop waiting for what you want and just start working with what you have? Here's the second thought for you this morning. It's simply this. It's offer God what you have and trust him to give you what you need. What if you were just open-handed about what you had and said, God, here's what I've got. Can you use this to give me what I need? I want you to take a look at what Elisha says. Look at how Elisha responds in this story. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for some empty jars. <laughs> go collect all the empty jars in your neighborhood. Get them, because guess what? God is about to do something great here. It says, don't just ask for a few. Don't just, say, don't just get two or three. He says, no, God's going to do something big. He says, don't just ask for a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, and pour oil into the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. So Elijah basically says, hey, go get a bunch of jars. All you have is a little bit of oil. And if you would just trust God with what you do have, God is going to refill those jars and give you exactly what you need if you just keep pouring. Look at, look at what he says. She, it says that she left him, she left Elisha, and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. So she's pouring this little bit of oil. The only thing that she had, she's pouring it out and it just keeps going. And when all the jars were full, here's what she said. She said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, hey, there's not a jar left in the neighborhood, everybody. I've got you all the jars. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, 
And he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Can I just encourage you this morning that when this poor widow woman offered God what she had, when she offered the little bit of oil that she had, God gave her everything that she needed. When she offered what she had, God, God provided and gave her everything that she needed. As long as there was an empty jar, God would fill it. As long as there was just an empty jug in front of her, God would fill it. And now, that's a ridiculous request when you really think about it. That's why this series is called Ridiculous, because that's a pretty ridiculous request to ask her to pour out everything that she has and trust God to provide for everything that she needed. But I'm just convinced in just a little amount of time that I've lived is that I know that when we show God our faith, that's when he shows his faithfulness. When we begin to show him how much we trust him, that's when we get to see his faithfulness. Listen, when this woman offered the little bit of what she had, God gave her everything she needed. God said, go and get these, go and get some empty jars. I wonder what would have happened if she got more. I'm like, I just, I wonder how many jars. I often wonder how many jars she filled up. How many jars could she have filled up if she would have just had the faith? Not only that, but God said, go get some empty jars. Listen, God, God didn't say, well, I need you to go get this specific type of jar and this. No, it, color didn't matter. The shape didn't matter. The size didn't matter. It didn't matter if it was a milk jug or a honey jar or a coffee jar or can or whatever or a butter jug. I don't know what it, it didn't matter what it was. You know why? Because God can use any shape or size vessel. It just got to be empty. It didn't matter what size or shape or color it was. It just had to be empty. And you say, well, Pastor Noah, how does this apply to me? Well, I, I was studying for this message here. I, I just was reminded of 2 Corinthians that says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. You say, well, what is that referring to? Well, jars in scripture here is just quite literally referring to our bodies. You know what our body, our bodies are literally dirt houses, everybody. I mean, God said, God formed us from the dust of the earth and breathed life into us. That's the only reason why we live. We're just, we're just some, we're just some dirt houses. We're just some jars. And we have this treasure, this treasure referring to Jesus here. We have this treasure in our jar of clay, in our jar of dust and dirt. You say, well, what is God looking for? I think God's just looking for a few empty jars that he can pour his spirit into. Which, by the way, do you know that oil, all throughout scripture, oil is just this representation. It's actually symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So when we empty ourselves, when we empty our jars, God is able to fill us up with his spirit. I mean, it's, it's, it's what keeps you going. You see, I think, I think if we would just, what if we would just empty ourselves of, of the pride that lives in our hearts? What if we would empty ourselves of the excuses that we have? What if we would empty ourselves with the greed that so many of us have, the selfishness? That we, what if you would just empty yourself of what doesn't matter and let God fill you with the things that do matter? 
I'm telling you, it can change your life. And suddenly you can realize that when you don't outwardly, uh, when you don't have what you outwardly wanted, it is God who you truly needed. And suddenly our good, loving Father that we sing about today, suddenly He is enough. But the scripture says that when we are weak, He is strong. That when we're hungry, He's the bread of life. When we're thirsty, He's the living water. That when, the, when we're faced with darkness and confusion, our God says that, our, the scripture says that our God is the light. That when we're lost, He'll make a way. That when we're unstable, our God is our solid rock. He's the only one that he can, we can lean on. He's exactly what you need. But would you empty yourselves of these worldly things? Would you begin to empty yourselves of, of everything that is, that is hindering him from pouring that spirit inside of you? And some of you, you came today and that's where you're at. You're empty. You're lacking. And I'm just, you're, you're going to look to him and God is going to become everything you need right now. Can I just encourage you to stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Offer God what you have and trust him to give you what you need. Because when you don't have what you really want, you'll discover that our good God is everything that you need. Let's pray today. Father, today, we pour out the greed, the lust, the pride, the hurt feelings in our heart. Lord, we pour out ourselves to you. We empty ourselves of every worldly thing that's in our pot right now, that's in our clay jar right now. And God, we ask that you would pour your spirit in us. Lord, just like the oil that just kept running, Lord, would you fill our hearts with your spirit? And Lord, we ask that it would never run out. Lord, would you give us a double portion of that anointing? Father, today we, we, we are just a jar of clay and we're nothing without your treasure inside of us. So Father, today we say we're sorry for every wrong thing that we have in our heart and we ask you to fill us up today. God, would you help us to recognize this week that when we don't have exactly what we want, that you have given us, you've already given us all that we need. And that God, as we go out into this world, as we go to our job, as we go home today, would you help us just to be just like Elisha and just ask God, or just ask, how can I help? What can I do to help in this situation? And would you just give us divine direction and understanding and influence in our life? Lord, we just want to point people to you, but we just ask today that you would just fill us up. Fill our jar with your treasure, Lord. We love you. We thank you for it today. With your heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're in this room and you say, I've, I've, I've never poured out the things in my heart and I've never received the treasure that Jesus is. If that's you today, you need to know that Jesus died on a cross for your sins. He died for the sins that you committed this week and last week and the months before and the years before. Not only that, but he already, he died and paid in advance for every sin that you're ever going to commit on this earth. 
The amazing thing is, is that the Bible says that because of Jesus's blood, that we can be forgiven because Jesus died on a cross for you. You're forgiven of those past mistakes and even the things that you're going to do in the future, because we all mess up. But the awesome thing about today is that you can begin a walk in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus can put his treasure in your jar of clay in your heart today. If that's you in this room and you say, I need to receive Jesus. I'm going to give you that opportunity. I'm not going to invite you to come to the front or anything like that, but we're just going to pray a special prayer together. And before we pray this prayer, I just encourage you, if that's you in this room, on the count of three, would you just do one thing for me? Would you just lift your hand? On the count of three, lift your hand. You say, I want to give my life to Jesus today. You ready? One, two, three, hands lifted all over this room. Thank you. Thank you. Church, because we believe in this prayer, we're all going to say this together. Say this, mean it in your heart. And this treasure is going to live inside of you today. Say this, say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. Say this, say, Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Make me new. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Would you give it up for all the people who prayed that prayer today? Thank you for listening to The Real Church Podcast. If you would like to partner with us financially or you live in the Southern Illinois area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out realchurch.info. 